Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey to the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more. Hello. Hi. We're back. We're back once again. I have deja vu. It's like we recorded this intro and then one of us did not actually record it. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, that's um, definitely that's definitely something we would not have ever done. I'm a professional. Same. Um, and um, especially at button pressing, which is mm. all I actually have to do in this scenario. <laughs> and so the idea that I would not manage to achieve such a feat... Um, quite honestly is deplorable slander i mean give yourself a little credit you do have to do more than push buttons you have to speak um you have to sound somewhat intelligent you have to have like an opinion or two do i have to do any of those i suppose you don't have to but it's preferable if you do (laughs) so i don't have to carry the entire thing on my shoulders do i have to speak and and sound intelligent i mean these things really may be something that i left behind in the old world ah. um, um so what's new in your life you doing anything uh, exciting in your kitchen in the morning these days <laughs> i'm sorry i know we shouldn't try to have the banter we had before but i really liked it so it's, i'm just gonna push it's push funny through. you should say that because <laughs> Um, I have started celery juicing in the morning time. What? It's a mystery, Toya Wilcox. Every morning. um, So for a long time, people have been telling me how good celery juice is (laughs) for many ailments, um, but Mm. specifically endometriosis, which is a thing I got. um, And I ignored them because the idea of juicing a celery just seemed (laughs) preposterous to me. Um, yeah. Had they have said apple, pineapple, a plethora of other vegetables, um, I, I would have given it a go. But celery, I was like, ah. um, so I didn't do it. And then it was juiced for me and put down in front of me and I was told to drink it. And I did. And I have been drinking it every morning for the last week to the point that this morning when I realized I had no celery, I got up and went to the shop and bought three bundles. I don't know wow. what you call it for the next yeah, few days. What a, a group of celeries <laughs> is called. <laughs> a murder of celeries. <laughs> <laughs> I want that desperately to be true. Um, yeah, so I, I have, I've done it. I think I've missed one day. Um, also, it's, quite, it's actually quite nice. Like, I actually quite like the flavor. I was expecting it to be sort of dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, okay. you know that kind of like yeah. dirty yeah. water flavor. Um, it's actually it's quite nice I don't really like sweet things and it's not sweet so um, it works for me and yeah I have no idea if it's cured me of everything and I'm now superhuman but um, it's nice to have a routine a new routine in this life where everything is the same yeah um, so yeah that's... and a healthy routine at that it's not like and now I'll <laughs> do my daily vodka vodka <laughs> bottle yeah, I, I've started vodka juicing in the morning. <laughs> I do it every morning to the point I realized I'd run out of vodka this morning to juice. So I went to the shop and I bought three bottles. The temptation. A murder is of vodka. A murder of vodka. Um, the new podcast coming to you <laughs> from your own words network. Yeah, um, yeah I've started um, a healthy habit too that I never in my days thought that I would be able to do mm-hmm. consistently because consistency has never been my strong tr- strongest trait um I've been doing like that yoga thing with the bending and the stretching yeah there's like the down down, down one dogs. and then the up one there's like a pigeon there's a salute I think there's a crow there's lots of different animals to make shapes with (laughs) um but yeah I've been doing yoga like almost every day depending you know I really think dear listeners if anyone can be an example to you then the fact that after a year of being locked up in 
essentially our bedrooms <laughs> we have started actively doing just one, now what literally just at the end of this year after 365 days Alison has done a couple of downward dogs and I have juiced a celery and we Listen, are <laughs> that's what we call growth let that inspire and... you to be your best self no matter what life is throwing at you no matter how long it takes and if the conditions of you having to be locked up um, don't get you there, <laughs> then time eventually will. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's never too late to juice a celery is yeah, really what honestly, we're trying to say it here. It doesn't take that long. Um, <laughs> you, just, you just press a button and then you do something else. I like to mop or something whilst I'm doing it. So I do two jobs at once. Wow. Well, you know what? We're, we've come a long way. <laughs> And I'm really proud of us, and I'm uh-huh. excited for the rest, where where this journey will take us next. The next you know? phase, because we're going to live a little bit longer now. Yeah, hopefully. Because of the That's celery the and the yoga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what that means? More time to read books. Woo! Speaking of books. Oh, did she, did she just do Boom. a segue? Segue bomb. Well done. I high-five your applaudability. So I have this idea. Uh-oh. I have an idea for fan art. <laughs> I know these things are supposed to happen organically and not be specifically asked for. Mm-hmm. But I just really want like a cartoon of you, either you and me together or like one of each of us riding a Segway. But instead of the Segway, it's like the Segway is made out of the word Segway. Does that make sense? Designers. <laughs> <laughs> good luck it, designers the shape of the Segway is the transportation word. device is the word Segway, and we're just riding it straight up the podcast charts okay just saying i'm, I'm putting I, it out there uh, as a as a not designer i feel inspired so i can only Ooh. imagine what the yeah. as designers feel please submit like. your artwork via uh, the, the contact mail. form at yaopon.com via the mail. <laughs> just just address it to your own words and see where it goes. Um, yeah, look forward to seeing your submissions. But anyway, back to segues and books and segues about books. Um, shall we talk about this episode's was your book? Was your segue to the book the, just saying segue to yep. a book? Okay, Pretty much was. Cool. Um, just let it just let it slide. Yeah, that's fine. It's, I'm good with that. That works for me um you would think we'd get better at this but (laughs) we just won't to be fair we are getting better it's just that we started at such a low bar (laughs) we haven't quite yet hit surface level but we're tunneling up yeah oh that's a good segue tunneling (laughs) boom 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 i did i nailed it people you see it just seamless i mean yeah okay so the the author (laughs) New York Times bestselling writer Jeff Vandermeer has been called the weird Thoreau by The New Yorker for his engagement with ecological issues. His most recent novel, the national bestseller Born, received widespread critical acclaim and has been added to the National Endowment for the Arts prestigious Big Reads program. His prior novels include the Southern Reach trilogy, which consists of Annihilation, Authority, and Acceptance, Annihilation won the Nebula and Shirley Jackson Awards, has been translated into 35 languages, and was made into a film from Paramount Pictures directed by Alex Garland, our old friend who wrote The Beach. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Is that mm-hmm. a segue? No, that's just no, a, coincidence. It's a coincidence. His nonfiction has appeared in The New York Times, The Los Angeles Times, The Atlantic, Slate, Salon, and The Washington Post. He's also co edited several iconic anthologies with his wife, the Hugo Award-winning editor, Anne Vandermeer. Um, a just... talented couple. Uh, I guess I should mention that the uh, author bio that I just read so beautifully uh, came from Penguin Random House himself. Thank you, Penguin. You, he's really showing up for us this, this season. I, Penguin is always a, a good, yeah. good place to go when looking for the author bio. The, the bio on his website was really interesting, but it was a bit long. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're curious uh, to, to learn more about Jeff Vandermeer, check out his website uh, and you'll find out a lot more about him. I'm going to do the synopsis for today's Yay. book, which is, as you said, the first in the trilogy, Annihilation. Um, 
For 30 years, Area X has remained mysterious and remote behind its intangible border, an environmental disaster zone, though to all appearances an abundant wilderness. The Southern Reach, a secretive government agency, has sent 11 expeditions to investigate Area X. One has ended in mass suicide, another in a hail of gunfire, the 11th in a fatal cancer epidemic. Now, four women embark on the 12th expedition into the unknown. Narrated by the nameless biologist, the expedition undertakes their mission to chart and measure the land, but soon they find they are in the grip of something both strange and all too familiar. An unmapped tunnel is not what it seems. At dusk, the cries ring out, and always on the horizon lies the promise of the mysterious lighthouse and the secrets it holds within its grasp. That's from Waterstones. Um, I also hadn't put these two together until just reading that but do you think after like they accidentally killed loads of men they were just like just send some women in (laughs) (laughs) we keep killing the men we need the men just like these are disposable just send in some disposable women interesting theory i didn't even consider that either (laughs) if at first you don't if at first to 11th times (laughs) you don't succeed send a woman send a woman in uh we'll have to ask our guest what she thinks about that Mm. Speaking of guests. Speaking of sorry. guests. Uh-huh. Who, who is she? Our guest today is Jen Reed. So Jen is a person who spends far too much time on the internet, but that's because it's her job. She loves horror movies and gets a lot of joy forcing others to watch particularly gruesome kills. I'm really glad she's hopefully not doing that to us today. <laughs> she loves cats, Hi-yo. Harry Potter, <laughs> baking shows, and reading. She contains multitudes. You can find her on Twitter at Jen Alice Reed or repping horror movies on her own podcast, I Hate Your Taste in Movies, the title of which I like very much. <laughs> Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm sorry, Beck, but I've got to go into this first off. Uh, Jen is the first guest that we have had alarmingly, thanks to all of my former friends, uh, from <laughs> Toronto, where I am also from. So I'm so excited because I did not realize that at first. So um, we now have to spend some time finding out if we know the same people. Yeah, of course. What part of the city were you from? All that kind of stuff. I was like a West End person. Okay. I lived like Queen West, Junction, oh, never nice, nice. never um, east of Dovercourt. Oh, okay. I'm like uh, St. Clair West right now. So kind of like close to that area. Nice. Nice. How's the city? How's, how's, oh, actually it's a bad time to ask, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We are in our third lockdown and everything sucks. So going great. (laughs) Yeah. We're coming. Well, by the time this is out, well, well, we're not be out. We're we're phasing out of our third lockdown uh, in London right now. So Life is great. Um, yeah, what's outside like? Do you guys get to go places? That sounds fun. Uh, it's like legal to sit on a bench mm-hmm. right now, so that's cool. cool. Yeah, cool. we weren't allowed to sit on a bench for like six months, and all the benches were covered, and now the benches are uncovered. And it's like, oh my God, I can bend my knees, which uh, <laughs> honestly is liberating. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going going pretty well. So, Jen, not only are you Torontonian like me, but you're also a podcaster like us. Yes. So can you tell us um, and our listeners what's what's your pod about? Yeah, my podcast is called I Hate Your Taste in Movies. Um, and it's me and a couple friends who, despite being really good friends, discovered that we had exact opposite taste in movies. And so Ooh. now we kind of just show each other our favorites and then deal with the consequences as they tell us why they hate it. So it kind of weirdly worked out. I love horror movies. And then another friend of mine hates horror movies and loves action movies. And then another friend hates action movies, loves musicals. And then I don't like musicals. So it's like a weird triangle of loving and hating each other's favorite films. I kind of like this because most pod, I mean, our own included, most podcasts are like, let us talk about something we love and dive into it. And and that's the exact opposite. And now I really can't wait to listen to it, <laughs> especially as someone who hates two of those genres. And I don't Ooh. know which two I should say. We say it. <laughs> say it. Lay it on me. Um, I'm not a fan of action or horror, but I love a musical. I'm right, okay. there I'm right there with you. We could flip Sorry. it today and we could do this podcast on what we hate about this book. Just to mix I don't it up. Think much about this book. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll. I mean, it's too early to to, to 
to get there. We will dive it. This book is confusing. Yes. Uh, I'll say that much. But... um, Um, I have one important question, though. Um, You don't like musicals. Have you seen Cabaret? (laughs) We actually (laughs) just did an episode on Cabaret. Please check it out. It does not go well for me. It's so good. Um, my, this is now going to be about our favorite musicals. I just introduced my flatmates last weekend because it was Easter to my favorite musical, which is Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) Um, don't even, the 1973 film is amazing. Amazing. And they loved it. And I just bought the, uh, soundtrack on vinyl immediately after watching it because it's so good. Um, and it was an album before it was a musical. So if you like music <laughs> full stop um and maybe maybe that'll be the thing to change your mind it won't um it's pretty niche but uh that's that's my favorite thing and i i assume you've discussed hamilton the musical that like allegedly everybody loves yeah yeah i've seen like hamilton on disney plus or whatever so i'm actually i don't hate all musicals i just find that i hate a lot of the ones that she makes me watch okay fair enough and we're off to the races with this podcast episode. <laughs> let's let's go. Uh, let's talk about books. Yeah. So clearly, you love and hate movies. Um, actually, I do have a question for you, but uh, specifically about that. But let's leave today's book out of this question for mm-hmm. now, because we'll obviously talk about it a bit later. But as a film lover um, and as a book lover, do you have any specific thoughts and feelings on? film adaptations of books in general um in general I think everyone who's a book lover kind of feels the movie adaptations are never as good the only time I like a movie adaptation is when I haven't read the book yet you know what I mean because then that's the version that's in your head and you're like oh this is good and sometimes I have like the only movie that I'd say is better than the book is American Psycho I don't know if you guys have read slash seen that I haven't read or seen. I'm like the one person on earth and I'm a massive like true crime nut too. So nobody believes that I haven't seen or read. So do you think the movie is better than the book? I do. Specifically, the movie is directed by a woman, Mary Heron, and the book is written by a misogynist, Brett Easton Ellis. So it's just like the movie is a little more satirical. You kind of get it. The book I read after the fact and it's just like chapters and chapters of very vivid descriptions of raping and mutilating women and I was like well this isn't an enjoyable experience so I would recommend the movie I I feel like you can take that sentence and apply it to pretty much all of his books exactly yeah (laughs) oh good to know he he doesn't like ladies yeah he's noted misogynist so (laughs) well this is wonderful you've just cleared some space in my tbr (laughs) so i'm i've been thinking about buying yeah just throw that i haven't bought it i haven't bought it you just now i don't have to open your window and just throw it out we'll just watch you throw away books for a while Um, uh this is now a book burning podcast, so get your copy, get a lighter. It was, it was a matter of time. <laughs> it was a matter of time. I burnt a lot of books once, and sometimes I think about it and I feel bad. Your face. <laughs> yeah, why? Well, okay, that I need to know what. what? My good friend was um, sort of like up and leaving to go to the other side of the world in a sort of like having a mental breakdown ceremonious fashion and decided he was going to give away or burn all of his possessions and but literally all of his possessions were books he had like 300 books so he was just like we'll have a bonfire and we just made a massive bonfire of these books and sat and watched all these books burn and now and I forgot about it for a long time because I genuinely believe I blocked it out of my mind because it was so traumatizing. I only yeah, remembered weird. this last year when we were chatting about it. And I like, I do feel really bad about it. I don't know if I can continue podcasting <laughs> they, with you. They took a long time to go out. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here for this story because, oh my God. You're here for the the ending of this podcast, the annihilation of this podcast. I was very young and naive at the time. Um, That's my excuse. That's everybody's excuse. Yeah, I know. Also, I've never been young or naive. I'm like, I was born 82. (laughs) (laughs) That tracks. That tracks. Uh, uh, Jen, what are you reading now? Uh, Right now, I am reading two books on the go. I'm sorry, I'm one of those people. 
Um, okay. Nonfiction, I'm reading David Chang's memoir, Eat a Peach. He's the chef from Momofuku in New York. So it's kind of about him launching his restaurant empire. And then fiction, I'm reading Little Heaven by Nick Cutter. It's sort of like a a horror western, kind of very 80s Stephen King vibes. So, Ooh, interesting. Do you read um, a lot of horror? Like, does your taste in movies and books kind of correlate or... Are you all over the place as far as I never goes? used to read a lot of horror actually I watch horror movies all the time I love horror but book wise I was I love like a mystery thriller kind of book so I never actually dove into real horror so I've only really started doing that in the past couple of years hmm. and are you what do you find like because I you said in your bio that you just like you're big into the the kills which is <laughs> uh slightly alarming I'm glad we have uh, a lot of distance between us physically yeah. but um <laughs> it, how do you find that because obviously that's very visual so how do you find that like in reading are you still able to get that same kind of thrill from I suppose I suppose it would depend on the writing but uh from a horror novel as you do get from a horror film yeah I think in terms of horror films like I said I love the kills because I love like a good slasher I don't know if I've had that translate into a book yet so far I've read a couple books that are quote-unquote slashers and I didn't necessarily love it so for reading I prefer much more of a psychological horror where you kind of or it's all like you're picturing this kind of weird twisted things and you're not really sure what is or isn't real I kind of like that aspect more in book form I mean interesting that somewhat describes yeah <laughs> your that choice might, today uh, doesn't it <laughs> explain the book that we just read <laughs> um so before we do talk about that book mm-hmm. um we have to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests. Um, if you don't know, Beck and I have very strong opinions about the physical um, nature of books and how they should be uh, and how we prefer them to be. So I am team plinth, i.e. hardback. Beck is team paper, i.e. paperback. Uh, who's, whose team do you tend to fall on? I am team paperback. That's fine. I'm not mad. <laughs> You're a very sensible woman. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And all of the decisions that you make in life are correct and true <laughs> and uh, the best decision that you could ever make. So it's a pleasure that you exist in the world. Thank you. This is wow. what I've been saying about myself for years. Yeah. So finally, I'm hearing <laughs> yeah. an echo back. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That validation. Yeah, yeah. You finally got there. Just- I mean, I'm fine with that. I've been doing really well this season, <laughs> so I can I can lose one's person. It's fine. Mm-hmm. My team is great. Yeah. You know what uh, a better type of book to murder someone with would be? Would be a hardback. So just That's think true. about that. Yeah. Or, or murder yourself when you drop it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read, like, with my book above Drop my it on face. your foot, then. I mean, you're going to drop it somewhere, aren't you? Now I'm well, like, do you so only far, like so paperbacks good. better because they're easier to burn? Is that what it is? <laughs> Ooh. Jen's my new favorite guest. <laughs> and yeah. and to be fair, that was a very good burn. So Oh, um... thank you. So Annihilation. Yes. This is a this is a book. Um I would love, usually, like, we always get our guests to say, like, in your own words, like, tell us what this book is about. But I really want you to tell me what this book is about. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, as as detailed or as, you know, cryptic as you want to be, um, what would you tell someone who hasn't read this book before what it's about? Yeah, so I think you sort of have to start with the world building as opposed to the plot, because as we will get into, the plot can kind of be harder to follow. So basically, we are in a world, we don't know if it's the future, if it's an alternate version of our Earth, all we know is that there is a part of the world that is now called Area X, it has had some sort of ecological incident, there's no um, human life left in there, nature has taken over, and it's hard to access. It is controlled by people in a facility called the Southern Reach. They guard the border and they have let in different groups to try to explore and understand what's happening within Area X. And every expedition has ended horribly. They've 
died by suicide. They've shot each other. They've returned and then immediately died of cancer. They've never returned. There's just all sorts of things that have gone wrong. And so now we are following the 12th expedition into Area X. This is a group of all women scientists. They are all going in sort of for their own reasons, and they're not exactly sure what they're going to find in there. And we, the reader, are also not entirely sure what they find in there. Um, We're kind of being told from the point of view of the biologist. She's the main character. No one has names also, so that's maybe a little hard for people to follow. Um, She's sort of almost, the book is almost like her diary or journal entries about what she's finding and how she's interpreting things. So it's kind of written from that perspective. Um, She can maybe be an unreliable narrator in that way. You're not sure how much you're trusting what she's seeing versus maybe you're trusting her more than what other people are saying. And you also find out that the reason why she has joined the expedition to go into Area X is because her husband had been a scientist on the previous mission who had come back strange, kind of wrong somehow, and then died of cancer. And so she was sort of like, I need to figure out what happened to him and if that was even really the real him that came back. So she's kind of got her own motives for going in as well. Yeah, that's... That's it. That's what happens. Um, <laughs> it's such a... So would you class... I mean, I suppose people classify this as science fiction, mm-hmm. more or less. But it it's not your typical science fiction in in what I, you know, would typify science fiction as. It's... it's it, it You're right. We don't really know where it's based, but it's based somewhere that feels like home. It's not completely out of yeah. this world. It's not completely out of... Um, kind of a, a sense of something that could potentially really happen, which almost makes it creepier, I think, because it's it's like everything in there seems to be just like one degree off of reality in in a way that's like, I find it really unsettling. I feel like yeah. I found the whole book not scary, not frightening, not like there wasn't a lot of like shock value, but it was just like slowly unsettling and getting more and more unsettling and it came to a conclusion that I kind of closed the book and was like what (laughs) what is what did I just read not in a way where I was mad about it at all but I've I've found myself just kind of confused and and speculative and I'm curious to hear kind of what how did you come to find this book and like what was your first impression of it like what what did it do to you (laughs) Yeah, so I had actually first heard about this book, I think, um, when it was being announced that it was being adapted into a movie. I think that's where I first heard of it, and it sounded interesting. It was sort of just like, four women scientists on an expedition, and I was like, oh, that's cool. What's that about? And then I kind of looked into it, and I saw that it was more of like a, people were calling it kind of like a sci-fi horror, kind of comparing it to something like. Um, event horizon or even alien the kind of sense of like exploring something otherworldly and I was like okay I'll give it a go I'm not a huge sci-fi person generally but let's let's try this so I picked it up and like you I was like I don't understand what kind of happened but I was into it it's so atmospheric and you do have that sense of dread the whole time of like this isn't Mm right something is wrong here so then I immediately went and picked up the next two books and read through them and was just like I am a fan now I I really enjoyed this I found that it um made me uh question whether or not I was actually just under some sort of hypnotic control the whole time in my life because (laughs) Just that the, the way that they continue doing what they're doing without realizing, well, three of them don't realize that they're being hypnotized to do things, and they're just like, "Oh yes, this is a good idea," and off I go, la 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 la. And I, mm-hmm. I found that so unsettling that your complete free will and autonomy and decision making and even awareness of your decision making could just be completely taken away from you without you having any knowledge of it whatsoever and that moment when the biologist realizes that that's what happened that was one of the most unsettling moments to me I was like oh my god she can see them being hypnotized and she's having to pretend that she's um it just it just made me so incredibly uncomfortable that 
I I don't know I just started looking around the house like who was in control of me (laughs) is this decision my own because it seems like a really good idea but then maybe actually it isn't it's the cats. It's the cats. <laughs> Always They're the cats. you for sure. They're like, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. actually one of my favorite parts of the book is when you realize that they've been hypnotized and the biologist both is seeing that it's happening and then has to play along. And that's something that I kind of like about the biologist. She's a very strange character. Mm. Um, but I like in those moments where she kind of is like, I'm just going to see where this goes. I'm going to act like everything's fine because I'm a scientist and I will just study the outcomes. I do not want to deviate from the experiment and be an anomaly. So I'm just going to pretend I'm being hypnotized to see what what she's doing. And I just was like, that's I don't know if I would have that kind of cool control in that situation if all of a sudden... They were someone was hypnotizing us. I'd be like, "What are you doing? What, what's <laughs> happening right now?" Well, I think there's something to be said. Like, she is a really interesting character. She's a very, and I, I think that's something. I mean, obviously, it's attractive as a woman to find a book with all female characters, mm-hmm. uh, aside from kind of the memories of her husband, um, and they're not typical uh, kind of f- female characters, um, which is good because they're you know, human people with varying personalities. But she's she's so interesting in that she is this very studied, scientific, you know, factual person, very little, like, emotional reaction mm-hmm. to things. And you even see in her past that that's kind of the way she's always been since childhood and even in her marriage. There's no, like, oh, my God, I was so madly in love with my husband. Everything is very just, like, kind of going through the motions. And it's like she's got this level of disconnect already that must be I suppose what allows her to to maintain that it's it's kind of like this I I just wonder if it's you know her husband's gone and despite that not coming across as like this emotional tragic loss um it's almost like she's got nothing left to lose and that's why she's here so what difference does it make if you know things go awry as they do um and like maybe that's the reason she's able to just kind of carry on in this way without letting emotions get in the way of it. It's certainly not something I could ever <laughs> even consider being strong enough to do. But she is she's a very interesting character. I just like mm-hmm. found her really hard to to understand, like pretty much everything in this <laughs> book. But but in a way that was still like just it, it makes you think. It's very thoughtful. I I read something. Um about it that described it as a as a mood piece mm-hmm. and I was like that lands with me like I feel like that's what this is it like you said it's really atmospheric and it doesn't have this obvious plot line it doesn't have this obvious kind of way of of telling you a story that even ends in a way that you understand it's just more of an experience I think than anything else and it's not what I'm used to and it's not what I lean towards but I I have found myself like thinking about it after mm-hmm. the fact and um yeah it's a it's a it's a strange choice. I'm really glad you brought it to our attention because I don't know that I ever would have come across it really. Yeah, that's kind of the same um relationship I had with it to be honest when I first read it. I'd never read anything like this before and I was kind of like this was such a strange experience but I wanted to just continue to be immersed in it. So that's why I was like I have to go find the other books right now and read them and finish this series and the other ones are kind of written in a different way and they follow different characters but it kind of fills in more of the world I guess so it's just I really like the whole series I do recommend continuing for anyone who is interested in Annihilation and wants to pick up the other ones it's a good series but yeah just this book was completely mind-blowing and sorry I'm like looking down like at the cover I'm like staring at it as I'm talking I'm like look at (laughs) it it's so good no one can see yeah you got the better cover well Beck, is that the cover you no, got? No, I've too? got the pink one. Oh, oh, I've got the stupid the movie one. one. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, yeah. I found the complete lack of sentimentality really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just not really any emotion in this book, which is also you're told there isn't any emotion because you're being hypnotized out of being emotional. Like, anytime they have any emotional reaction, whether it's fear or doubt or. Um, even that bit around the campfire when they kind of start to be a bit chummy like it's all removed from you so you're reading a book where the emotion of the characters is literally being removed from them 
and also you're not really being given any emotional context for what's happening either and that normally and you know I hate to say it but especially in books with women in it's normally like all emotion you know you're kind of like a lot of the plot is about the thoughts and feelings and um emotional connections that you're you're making with whatever experience you're having so this was very like I'm not sure what to latch onto. There's like a weird, in my head, a weird living esophagus thing with writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's how I see it. Um, and there's the, uh, someone who is hypnotizing people to go into the esophagus. And then there's a woman that's like, I ain't being hypnotized, but she goes into the esophagus anyway. And like that, there's no feelings happening about it. But that, kind of made me feel more um what's the word just like that that atmosphere of that I connected with more I think because of that because I wasn't sort of distracted by fear or anxiety or worry or trauma or sadness which I would expect to happen within the context of what is happening it was more like there is some weird shit here is some weird shit and I'm like oh yeah here is some weird shit okay there it is and that's like I don't know, I just felt like I connected with the unsettlingness of the environment and the space, which more than anything else, I guess, is what um, is one of the main characters, the the Area Mm -hmm. X. The space and the environment is kind of that desolate emotion that these characters are not able to experience. They They are mirroring what has become Area X in that way. And I felt it easier to connect with because I wasn't lost in sadness and melodrama you know what women are like (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's definitely true I think especially with like we said the biologist her husband is technically what's driving her there but it's not necessarily an emotional pull to what happened to her husband it's almost like an intellectual curiosity kind of thing and that's how she operates the whole time that she's in there and I think by removing that emotion like you said where it's not like oh I'm worried about my husband I need to solve this mystery or or like I'm so scared or I don't trust these women instead of having those kind of interpersonal things and it's just that kind of she has that clinical sentiment the whole time of just I'm here to learn and be a scientist then you're kind of able to let the way the writing is about the world really be what's driving your emotions. And the writing, I think, is just very, like, strange and creepy and unsettling. And that's what makes you feel that way. It's not the character saying, oh, I'm so unsettled or anything. It's just, this is some weird ass shit. How do you feel about it? And you're reading it and you're like, not great. Not great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still not great. Just keep going. <laughs> And I think it's something that strikes me too, Beck, when you said, you know, just, well, all of us talking about their kind of the lack of emotion, the lack of sentimentality, um, the lack of even like character development. They don't even have names. Mm -hmm. They don't even have the basic kind of bit of kind of humanity of having like a a given name to attach to them. And so even that is removed. And meanwhile, this world, like you said, this is kind of this barren world, but it has all of these, I think the creepy, the creepiest things about it is these echoes of humanity. So there's um, the the human shapes made out of trees and plants that like look like they were humans, but they're just uh, foliage, fauna. Um, and the, the creature that makes noises that sound kind of human but not and that horrifying encounter with it which is probably the scariest part of the book because it's I mean I don't want to like it's not really something you can spoil because it's not (laughs) like it's not you can't even explain it but this sort of like echoes of all the humans that have been there before and like it's it's so strange but to face something like that which you kind of have that emotional reaction to because mm-hmm. we are emotional beings but to ha- to experience this through the eyes of someone who is not experiencing that way who is looking at all of this stuff that should provoke such emotion but seeing it through the eyes of someone with such a clinical methodical scientific thing being constantly bombarded with things that don't make sense that are not logical it's so curious and like you said it's that kind of curiosity that takes you through the book it's not necessarily an attachment to even like there is a desire to know what the hell is going on but I almost 
which you really don't get at the end. You just have more questions, I think. But um, but that I think that makes sense. I don't know how else it could end. And that's the thing. I think it's that that lack of a conclusion and that lack of an answer mm-hmm. is maybe one of the reasons, at least with me, that it sits there and it sits in my memory and I do think about it. And I do, like, we've had – this isn't the first kind of – part of a series that we've had before we had uh, shadow of the wind book of shadows shadow of the wind book of shadows <laughs> shadow of the wind by carlos ruiz afon and i bought the other books but i haven't got around to reading them yet but this one i almost feel like if i don't read the rest of it i'm gonna think about i'm just gonna constantly think about what the fuck was that and like i need I'm not convinced I'm going to get an answer, but at least you say it fills in some of the gaps and maybe that will be enough. But um, yeah, it's not very often. I, I I generally don't gravitate towards series because I have commitment issues. <laughs> so it's literally only like through this podcast that I'm like, okay, I guess I'll read the first book. And if you say it can stand alone, then I guess I'll do it. But this is definitely one where I'm just like, I need more answers. Like I need more or just more information because... I'm creeped out and I, I want, I want to know. And I guess so does she. That's, that's, yeah. I guess that's what he was going for. <laughs> um, good job, Jeff. Well done. I feel like if you like, just hang in there and wait 20 years, then we're going to be living area X anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> climate change, like, like the things will fall apart enough so you'll get to experience it yourself. Um, which is, cool. I think that like, you, the, you know, the bit when she's talking about the, um, the swimming pool is when she's a kid and she's like playing mm-hmm. with this little ecosystem that she has created and i think that motif is what made the whole book incredibly creepy for me because i kind of felt like i was her as a child poking around this ecosystem and the world she was living in now is the ecosystem and i'm kind of there going what the heck what's happening underneath this lily pad um and how quickly you can go from being a kid watching this ecosystem be created in a swimming pool to a woman, you know, you're the same person living in the same lifespan, a woman wandering around this mad, toxic wasteland, not knowing what you're uncovering or what it will do to you. And that happened within the same, I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't 95, was she? You know, so it happened within what 20 30 years of her being in a swimming pool poking frogs and I think that's kind of the creepiest thing about it that you can go from being a child thinking oh what's this weird thing because you're a child to being an adult being what the fuck has happened (laughs) to the planet (laughs) you know like that I think that's the thing I found creepiest because I shouldn't be able to walk out my front door and fall down an esophagus I just really love that you keep referring to it as an esophagus because anyone that hasn't read the book is going to be like, for the just for listeners that haven't, at no time is it referred to as an esophagus. No, but I like you'll get it when you read it. But like, I mean, I I don't I I understand why you're saying it. It's a tunnel. It's a tower. Yeah, it's a living, it's living organ- and breathing. Yeah, it's right? an organism. It makes sense. We don't know it what it sense. is. You don't know what it is. But I shouldn't be able to walk out of my front door into it. Whereas, <laughs> you know, twenty years ago, I could have been a kid poking a frog in a swimming pool, and those two things shouldn't be able to exist in the same narrative. And that's what I found so unsettling about this book. Like, how can you possibly have Area X in the same world where? you're at home having a glass of wine before you go to bed like how that's Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be able to happen and yet it's true because it it unlike a lot of kind of fantastical like horror fiction or sci-fi it's like you you generally like leave earth or leave you know the comfort zone but this is just like in the future and the sun has died or something this is just like a portion of the earth and it's growing yeah yeah. So it's like this sense of this is what the world is going to become. Like how the Get ice ready. is melting. <laughs> cool. Well, this is an uplifting episode. Um, I do want to ask, so this back, this might be time for you to like make a cup of tea okay. or eat a biscuit because you haven't watched the film. Jen, I can only assume you have. Yes. Okay. We need to talk about this. Did you watch um, the movie? I watched the movie. Okay. Beck did I didn't it, so. because she put me off because she was just like, it's. <laughs> well, listen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk about yeah, this. Yeah, we will discuss. The movie and the book 
uh, are so different. Um, they're so different. There's so much that doesn't match up. There's so much that is just not what happened. There's so much of what massively happened in the book that just doesn't even come up in the film. Esophagus, for example. Yeah. Um, the esophagus isn't in the film. No, no, not it's at like all. The main it's just about bit. the lighthouse. I know. So half the but, book is based yet, in that esophagus. I am. But Beck, this is this is why this is why we need to discuss it though, because I didn't hate it. Personally, I didn't hate it. I'm really curious because Jen, you're an actual like but film you didn't, fan. You, you like didn't horror. Hate it this as is a like a trippy horror movie. Like separately, like if not they, as a, if there are two separate yeah, okay. entities, I actually probably would have enjoyed that film, even though it's not my genre of mm-hmm. choice. But I found it really. It's beautiful to look at, first of all. Great actors. Oh, my God, Jennifer Jason Lee, Just be in everything forever. I love you. Um, but I didn't hate it. I actually enjoyed it. And maybe even not more so than the book, but it, it at least felt like it made a little more sense. And maybe that's why he made it that way. I don't know. But, Jen, please tell me how you feel, because I've been waiting <laughs> and dying to discuss this with someone, even though I told Beck not to do it. Um, so tell me everything so I saw the movie when it came out at that point I had already read all the books so I was like I'm so excited for this movie so I saw it in theaters I haven't seen it since I haven't revisited it maybe I should have because I feel like I need to give it another chance because it is so different but because I didn't know that going in I spent the whole movie waiting for stuff that I knew happened in the book to happen in the movie and it never did so I'm sitting there being like when are they getting to the tower when is she figuring out the hypnotism like what's Where's the crawler? What's going on? And she none didn't of even figure out the hypnotism. No hypnotism. What? No crawler. Yeah, none of that stuff's in there. But what they do do, like you said, it is really effective. Like there's some really creepy stuff. There's some really beautiful visuals. And I know a lot of people who haven't read the books did really like it. So I feel like I have to give it another chance as a standalone entity instead of as an adaptation of a book because it didn't hit anything I wanted from the book. So maybe we won't recommend people to watch. Well, watch the film. Just don't expect it to be like the book, I think is the the message to take away. Maybe they need enough distance because I think I was put off because I literally just put the book down and you were like, oh my God, they've got names. Oh my God. And I like that. I wouldn't have been able to sit through it without just feeling like, what have you done to this world that I've literally just... I was going to say, literally just learned to understand. That's not true. Um, but, <laughs> oh my God, like, please tell us. <laughs> what have you done to this world that I've just come out of? Um, and this all like, and then you're going to change like probably the main pillar episodes of what I understand. <laughs> like the main things that I have come to understand about this world, you completely change. Um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe some distance, maybe a little bit of distance between book and film. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel I feel like the film is interesting, and I did like definitely like parts of it. So I wouldn't say don't watch the film. I think you're right. It's just they need to be enjoyed separately, and hopefully not compared because it will just cause anger and frustration. Um, in regards to the book, so setting the movie mm-hmm. aside because that's not what this podcast is about, but it certainly had to be uh, discussed. And it's funny because every single book so far that we've had this season has a film adaptation <laughs> or has been adapted it's just it's a strange thing where i'm like it's like a, a you know we've got our tbr for the uh for the podcast and also a film festival to go alongside <laughs> it and we have to watch all of these adaptations and so far the only positive experience that we've had in that is with atonement right. um which is a, a beautiful adaptation yeah, we have been let down that- somewhat um, I was just gonna say, most of them watching are, the movie yeah. versions after reading the books, you guys must be so depressed all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we should almost do it the other way around and watch the film first, and then read the book. But I don't want spoilers. Um, but they're different stories. Yeah, thank thank God, Atonement like raised the bar mm-hmm. again. But I, you know, I don't know. I, I've heard. Let me just think. So the, the next episode, the episode after this one, um, is another one. But I think the film adaptation is supposed to be good. That's never let me go. Ooh, I have seen that film. I do like it. Yeah. So, I, but have you read the book? No. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it might be Rolling it might be dice. an annihilation situation where maybe the movie's <laughs> just good on its own, but not as an adaptation. I don't know yet. I like the maybe. idea of an annihilation situation being now what is referred to as when <laughs> a film is just a good film, but it has nothing to do with the book. <laughs> I think that that 
is good. Yeah, we'll just, you've annihilated yeah. the the idea of the book, but you've created something all right. Now we can't say that about the new Rebecca. I'm sorry. It's a piece of trash. I have not seen the <laughs> anyway, new Rebecca because it looked don't. like a piece of trash. Just so. don't, you don't need to do that to yourself. Life yeah. is depressing enough already. Literally, when we were trying to think of positive things to say about it, we were like, well, the the wardrobe was the really light- nice. The lighting was good. The lighting was okay. <laughs> like, there's nothing good to take away from that. Oh, it was God. a deep disappointment. Anyway, back to the book. So, film recommendation, we're a bit dicey on but the book, who would you recommend this to and why? You know, I would recommend it to people who don't typically like sci-fi or horror, but would like to dip their toes in because I think this is such a unique experience. Like I said, it wasn't like anything I'd ever read before. So I don't think you're going to have to be dealing with a lot of tropes or things that you might not normally enjoy. Like if you're someone who's like, oh, I don't really like sci-fi because I don't like, you know, aliens or space travel. There's none of that in there. If you're like, I don't like horror because I don't like, you know, guys in masks killing people. That's not in there. You're still getting all of the kind of feelings that you would get from these genres. Like you're getting uh, the exploring of a new world. You're getting suspense. You're getting fear. But it's just told in a totally unique way. So that would be my recommendation, I guess. I don't know if that sells anyone on it. If that was just a terrible recommendation. But that's what I would do. Well, hopefully the rest of the discussion will sell them on, like, this sounds insane, I need to read it. I would also recommend it to anyone that watches Doctor Who, um, because it really reminded me of the episode The Satan Pit, um, where there was, like, a long, tall shaft tower, and everyone keeps getting covered in weird writing that is growing, and, like, it's Mm -hmm. very strange. Um, And just in the way it was written as well, it had that sort of, like, deadpan... Like, it's not really trying to be scary there's something kind of like this is just weird and we don't know why but we're gonna keep exploring thing um that i think if you like doctor who you will like that kind of narrative because you you don't ever turn and run away even though it gets really really batshit you just keep going um and i enjoyed that about the way it was written so whovians off you go (laughs) (laughs) and jen did you do you have a quote prepared for us Oh my god, okay. Oh god, what I'm, on I'm earth? Like, what? what on earth what will it is be? this is it, be? is it is it what the crawler writes on the wall? Because <laughs> okay. if you can explain to me what that means, that would also be really helpful. I did like pull a couple of quotes. One of it was the quote on the wall. <laughs> that was just so weird. Just like a snippet of it because it like it stayed with me, like certain words from it. I was like yeah. specifically It's definitely creepy, but I just kept trying so hard to force my brain to understand what it was saying, and I just don't think you're meant to. So I just had to kind of give up trying to force it to make sense <laughs> at a certain point. Um yeah, but the other quote I pulled, um sorry, I'm just looking at my Google Doc where I wrote all my quotes. It's sort of I pulled the description of when she was trying to see the crawler. Because I thought that was so, like, when you're talking about how you couldn't picture a movie adaptation, that's absolutely something in my head where when they describe the crawler, they don't really describe it because you can't really look at it because it's not something that our consciousness is meant to be able to understand. So it makes my brain melt. Yeah. So I will read this quote and hopefully do it any kind of justice. Um. As I adjusted to the light, the crawler kept changing at a lightning pace, as if to mock my ability to comprehend it. It was a figure within a series of refracted panes of glass. It was a series of layers in the shape of an archway. It was a great slug-like monster, ringed by satellites of even otter creatures. It was a glistening star. My eyes kept glancing off of it as if an optic nerve was not enough. So that is the book. If you heard that and you were like, I don't understand, you're going to be in for a lot of that. Yeah. 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 That, that's you kind never of what, how will. I feel about this book. Like it, there were words in it. There were letters in it. But it was also uh, a beehive. And then, then it changed into, uh, you know, something else. It's 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 an enigma wrapped in a mystery wrapped in a something else. Um, but an enjoyable one, I would say. <laughs> so thank you for bringing this book to us thank you for melting our brains a little bit <laughs> anytime sometimes it's, good. sometimes it's good it's a really uh, good book for like a 
sun, like Sunday afternoon when like you just had a really monotonous week because uh, I read it in like a day when you just had a really monotonous like, I mean everything is a monotonous week at the moment but just like it's so <laughs> absurd and so bizarre and so different to anything you're experiencing that it's quite a nice little world to go and hide in for a bit because you do exactly that thing of what the hell I don't understand the whole time <laughs> um and that's there's something quite nice about that at the moment I think yeah that's true it's not predictable that's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah and I will also recommend people get the book and not the audiobook because you will need to reread sentences to make mm-hmm. sure you understood it <laughs> Yeah. Yep. And I can just Very imagine good. I'd be like rewinding every 15 seconds to yeah. be like, what did they just say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that. I think that's a really good shout. Very, yeah. very good recommendation. Yeah. Um, so th- thank you. This has been an awesome conversation. Thank you for the book. Um, where can our listeners find you on the internet, in the podcast world? Um, shout out whatever you need to shout out. Yeah. So people, if they want to find me, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Jen Alice Reed, which is my full name. And then my podcast is I Hate Your Taste in Movies. We are also on Twitter at I Hate Your Taste and on Instagram at Hate Your Taste Pod. Amazing. I can't wait to listen to that because I love people shouting about things they hate and shouting about things that they love. (laughs) Beck and I just do that over WhatsApp every time we read a book. So um, (laughs) I think this this will really suit our taste. Yeah, you guys can check out our cabaret episode and have a good laugh at how stupid I sound. (laughs) I will. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jen. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Well... I mean, from Jane Eyre to that. From Jane Eyre. Well, I, to be fair, Jane Eyre went pretty all over the place as well. So yeah, I, I like to imagine that bit where Jane Eyre is um, wandering around the Dales. She's actually wandering around Area X. Um, oh. I feel like Alex Garland could transplant those two. <laughs> I bet you he could. Do an adaptation of the two. <laughs> if not, can somebody please write some weird fan fictions uh <laughs> combining those two worlds they'll I would, just i would definitely they'll just call her the housekeeper um and she'll be like i'm perilous to your hypnotism <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 would read uh thank you everyone for listening to whatever episode this is we're, we're just like getting through them season three is happening yeah um if you want to talk to us about things books, <laughs> books. Um, you can apply to be a guest at yaopod.com it might take a while for you to get here but we still would love to hear what book you we want to talk about we are only accepting books of um, less than 64 pages um, for series 4 um, ideally you know those little poetry pamphlets that you can pick up in doctor surgeries if one of those really yeah. hit you on the noggin then please let us know then go back to the doctor surgery and get some and, and, and send them know. to us because we probably won't be able to get hold of any yeah yeah that's <laughs> true um, you can find us on all the social media places uh, at, at yowpods.com yes, that's it uh, <laughs> So Twitter at Yowpod. I'm just really not good at Twittering. Someone can teach me how. If someone can teach me how, that would be really great. You just have um, to be a know. bitch to everyone. I think. Oh, do I just have to start fights? You and just have to be like, I, I talk about books better than you do, bitch. And that's how you Twitter, oh, okay. I think. So Twitter's about fighting. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I just um, have to be really horrible all the time. Cool. I, I mean, I could, I could do that, I guess. Um, we're also on Instagram, which is a gentler place to exist at Yowpod. We post pictures of books, books. (laughs) mostly. Um, and, uh, we've got a Facebook group, so come, come say hi and chat to us and some of our guests and other listeners. Um, we're always kicking around. We got nothing better to do. So come say hello there. And, uh, if you want to support this thing that we're doing uh (laughs) whatever it is whatever this is this experiment um you can go to patreon.com slash yowpod um and there you can find uh with a little support um badges and bookmarks and weird extra content about sparkling wine and yelling about the film rebecca um and other such exciting bonus content 
So uh, check us out there. Buy us a coffee. Buy us a book. Um, buy us some celery for my morning juicing. Oh, yeah. We've really, we've really got to fund so, Beck's new celery yeah, juicing habit. It's, so. it's like every day, guys, and you have to buy a whole, a whole, murder, a whole murder of celery each day. So it's quite... <laughs> quite spend i'm not earning any money right now so yeah so um, listen yeah. help 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 a reader out yeah and <laughs> and jump on patreon to support our excessive habits um yeah so i think that's that's it right that's we're reading it. a book next time as well so you can you can come and listen to that if you want it's called never let me go yeah it's called lever it's also a film and so, so we'll uh, discuss them we will I can't wait. Hopefully, you know, Kira Knightley's in the film of this one too, and she was in Atonement, so maybe that bodes well for the adaptation being good. She but... was also in Bend It Like Beckham, though. So let's. <laughs> hey! <laughs> to be fair, hey. it's actually quite a good film. That's a pretty good film. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying here. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, friends, as yeah. always. Um, you we'll see look you after next. your ears. Yep. And your eyes and hands. <laughs> No. The end. The end. <laughs> Your Own Words is hosted by Alison Dunnings and Becky Graham. Our theme music is by Natasha Pasternak. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. Read along with us at yowpod.com. 